Welcome to Tales, Tunes, and Tom Fullery, starring Jerry Springer, along with Gene Galvin and me. I'm Megan Hills. We're recorded live in front of a brilliant studio audience at the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. My daddy came home. All right, here he is, ladies and gentlemen, the one, the only. Fill in the blank. It's Gene it's actually, Galvin. It's Gene Galvin. Jerry Springer is the star of this show, obviously. His name is appropriately on the podcast. Uh, but Jerry, for the last month, for people who have been listening, hello, Facebook Live. We love Facebook Live. We had a nice yeah, uh, viewership, if you will, last week. And mm -hmm. uh, we're, we hope we have that again. We love that. And most people listen in the archive. And hello to you guys as well. But if you've been listening the last few weeks, you know that Jerry hasn't been here because Jerry is busy recording the Judge Jerry show. Yeah, Great I saw show. that this week. Yeah, it was a good show. Yeah, it's a really good show. And he and it's I guess he's going into his third season. So it's mm -hmm. it is a success. And yeah. we're very proud of Jerry. He's very skilled. And uh, so anyway, fair. he's fair as a judge. He, he, fair, he fair looks at both sides. Yeah. He's, he's like a Fox News guy. Right? Not too severe. <laughs> No. So anyway, Jerry is recording Judge Jerry and uh, but and has been he's deep into the recording season of that show. But he will be back next week, along with Megan Hills in our usual format. But what we've been doing for the last few weeks, instead of just uh, filling in with repeat material, which at times we have when Jerry's uh, taking some time off in the summer to either vacation or work. We have been doing this thing called uh, riding down, uh, rolling down America because I'm a cyclist and I uh, have done, I'm back home, uh, but I've done this adventure of riding from, I'll give you the itinerary real fast if you're a new listener in the last few weeks, but I rode along with another guy after taking our bikes and our butts on Amtrak from Cincinnati. Mm -hmm. And went to Whitefish, Montana, which is in the, the upper uh, northwest corner of Montana, to yep. the left of, if you're looking at a map, Glacier National Park, one of my favorite national parks. And then we, you know, we, we're, we call it bikepacking. So we're carrying all our gear. We didn't sleep in motels, but maybe a time or two. Mm -hmm. So we, we were camping and sleeping in some crazy places, which I'll recap here in a minute but so we rode down we so we went from whitefish montana all the way the length of montana which was amazing Incredible. and entered yellowstone national park went through there went through the grand tetons which are right below them national park that took us into wyoming we went as far as jackson wyoming then we rented an SUV at a price per day that my wife must never learn. She <laughs> That's why never... you drove, drove 24 hours a day to get to Illinois. We, we, we busted ass. She must never learn <laughs> what that costs. She must never. So anyway, we rented this vehicle and they said, oh, yeah, it'll probably take her from like a big rental company, car rental company, a big corporate SUV, this big wow. ass thing full leather, very, very cool. Yeah. And uh, folded all the seats down, took the bikes apart, put them in the back. And we went uh, straight through, including a huge ass storm at night and just kept driving, mm -hmm. switching drivers. And we went to Marion, Illinois in Southern Illinois. 
and we found a little remote airport that had a, a rental, the same company, dropped mm-hmm. the car off, packed up the bikes, and then rode down to, uh, let me think here, Goreville, Illinois, and then rode across the bottom of Illinois into Kentucky, and then rode through all of Kentucky to Berea and came home. So what was our total mileage? Uh, We did about 1,100 miles. We thought we were going to do, we changed the itinerary. Original plan was to go from Whitefish to Albuquerque and stay Mm -hmm. in the Rockies the whole time, but we realized we had no exit plan. And that was becoming a problem. We didn't know how we were going to get home from the West. My wife, uh, with my bike rack and our SUV, uh, was pretty clear she didn't want to drive all the way out West to get us, to get us home. And those so, temperatures were pretty extreme. And they are pretty high out there. Uh, although when we were in the upper elevation, a lot of times we were. We got the Yellowstone. It was in the 30s at night. It was oh, wow. frankly wonderful. Yeah, and we were riding. Uh, and part of what I wanted to do tonight, just to you know, kind of look back on this for for those of you who are interested, and I know not everybody who would tune in any podcast is interested in this outdoorsy stuff, but there are some people who are, I know I sure am, and and I I would listen to this kind of stuff, and so those of you who choose to listen, uh, appreciate it, and uh, here's some stuff that you may find interesting. It it was uh, an amazing journey, you know, I, I gotta tell you, and I usually don't talk about my age much, but I'm 78, so I, I didn't meet anybody as old as I was. I was You're definitely the oldest rider out there this summer on this thing called the Trans America Bike Trail. And I'm not saying that to boast because everybody's got their things they can do. Some people can do this, some people can do that. I'm stupid enough to think that it's fun to ride a bike for 1,100 miles. We were going to go to Albuquerque, which was about 1,200, so we went instead sampled a big chunk of the West and then sampled a big chunk of the Midwest. And by the way, in my opinion, and I live in Kentucky, I'm a Northern Kentuckian. Kentucky is as beautiful as Montana, yet totally different. Mm-hmm. They're beautiful in different ways, but right. it's so green, bared and, and undulating and uh mm-hmm. mysterious around every corner and it's just it's a, a little sleepy back roads good god in montana mm-hmm. because if you look at a map of montana dude there's only certain ways you can get through montana because of all these ranches and yeah. wild land owned by us by the people okay. so they'll put a two-lane road through montana and wyoming and it is uh, kind of, you know, moves around a little bit, but it's somewhat of a straight line. And, and then mm-hmm. they set the speed limit at 70, which means everybody's going 80. And it's insane. Yeah, Kentucky is not like that. Kentucky and Southern Indiana, Southern Illinois, mm-hmm. is uh, more pastoral, sleepier, quieter. Right. Uh, it's, it's just very beautiful. Now, Where we was met the this biker guy. that got struck? Where was well, he struck at? So let's talk about this guy, uh, uh, Ryan. We met Ryan. Let me see if I can remember. We we laid over. We got. We used a hotel maybe two times, motel. So we were in. I can't remember the towns outside of Missoula, south of Missoula, and so we stopped in this little town. We went to a super eight motel or something, and we stayed in there. And in the morning, we're going out to uh, load our panniers, panniers, you know, saddlebags mm-hmm. onto our bikes. And in the lobby, I saw this recumbent. Now, a recumbent <clears throat> is a bike 
In this case, it was a three-wheel recumbent. So there are okay. two wheels on the back, one wheel out front. You sit in what looks like a lawn chair. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not, but it, it resembles that. So it's real comfortable. You got yeah, a good I've seen back this. brace, you know, good mm-hmm. uh, back position. You kind of lean back and you put your hands on two uh, vertical handles. And uh, when you push those, you can turn that front wheel side to side to steer it. Interesting. Your, your legs are out ahead of you. The chain runs the whole length of the bike. Uh, to the sprocket to the back wheels yes yeah, rear wheel driven mm-hmm. <clears throat> and you go uh so that's what it is so they go much more slowly yeah but here's a key point they occupy much more real estate on a road mm-hmm. because a two-wheel bike you're obviously balanced on it and it's one wheel in front of another right and you can put the front wheel on the white line on, let's say, the right side of the road. There's another white line on the left side. And in the middle, there's a yellow stripe. Mm. And you can put your front wheel on the white line. We did this for <laughs> hundreds, thousand miles. <laughs> and you just stay right on that white line because there may be no burn. Often, yeah. in let's say, Montana, the right side, if you go off the road, you're going down, uh, maybe not a cliff to your death, but you're going in down the hillside. Because you're maybe on a mountain. So, but a recumbent must, because it has two wheels on the back, occupy the lane. We call it taking the lane. Uh, You know, if you got to take the lane, that means you're going where cars who are behind you are going the same direction and they got to pass you like they're passing a car. Who has the right of way? Well, uh, good question because uh, Ryan, our friend, got hit by a truck. And that became Jermaine. So here's the deal. Ryan is a disabled American veteran. Uh, he was in the army and mm-hmm. he was uh, like a career guy, I think early on in his career, I would guess. And they were in a, on a training mission. So they were setting off explosives and firing big weapons and so that uh, trainees could become accustomed to the sounds and literally the percussion hmm. of these big explosions and they they did an explosion too close to him he at least got a concussion or worse and some other injuries and the percussion of the explosion affected his pituitary gland he explained all oh, this no. to us and jump-started uh, parkinson's oh, no that's horrible and he had constant tremors. He had balance issues. His oh, speech, God. I didn't think was impacted. He said he felt that it was. Mm-hmm. So we met him and then we started to hang out with him and ride with him, although we couldn't ride as slowly as he had to ride. And he mm-hmm. knew it and we knew it. So at times we'd surge way ahead, but we would kind of look out for him, wait for him at, at big turns and certainly at campsites. So we camped with him for a number of nights and we got to know each other. We're very different. I'm, yeah. I'm a real liberal uh, Democrat. He's a very conservative Republican, very pro-Trump, bought the big lie. We had some great conversations about that. We were very blunt with each other. Uh, I told him he was batshit crazy on some <laughs> stuff and vice versa. And But we, but there's just, uh, I suppose, a thing among a lot of endeavors, including uh, bike touring, where you know, you start, you, you got all that, 
mm. that as part of this uh, emerging friendship. But then you also have, hey, we love to ride. We both love to camp and ride and, and have adventures. And we've got each other's back. So we uh, clearly stayed in touch. So we got pushed through the Tetons. We waited for him. He was mm -hmm. behind us by a day. He then said, I'm not going to Jackson, Wyoming, because you don't have to on this trail. That's kind of a spur. Okay. And we said, okay, we'll, we'll talk to you down the line. And then a few days back, I communicated with him, including a long phone call or two, and learned that he literally was hit by a truck. Now, I know to, to listeners, it's like, what? Come on. You're dead. And yes, it was an 18-wheeler. Wow. And I've seen the pictures and I've talked to him and his wife has collected him out of a hospital in Wyoming, or pardon me, in Colorado, uh, east of Pueblo, Colorado. He, he would have trouble getting over these mountain passes. He literally sometimes couldn't do it because of his Parkinson's. Oh. So he was not opposed to hitching a rod and getting over a mountain pass and then just picking it up. And he never lied about his miles and he said i gotta mm -hmm. ride over this pass and that pass that's why so he, he had got, he, he drove the three-wheeler because he had the parkinson's he had to he used yeah. to ride two wheelers and he had to go to a three that is correct mm -hmm. and so he was outside he was east of uh pueblo colorado on a two-lane road with people flying and a truck hit him and it clipped the left back part of this recumbent when it did as far as he knows because he blacked out in this it catapulted him end over end in the air and he landed in a ditch destroyed his helmet so that tells you why you wear helmets because mm -hmm. it didn't kill his head he uh broke his arm he dislocated a knee obviously he had abrasions and stuff Oh, and it ended uh, his ride. So did the trucker run? He did not. He stayed. He cried, according to Ryan. He went mm -hmm. to the hospital with him. He um, faces, Ryan thought he was charged by the police, but Ryan was more concerned about taking care of his own affairs. And yeah, uh, but so, you know, that'll all play out the way it plays out. Ryan mm -hmm. went home. He's already talking about re-equipping this specialized bike to go back out. He goes back out. I would hope to go out and, you know, pick up and ride a little bit with him and mm -hmm. do the same kind of leapfrogging we did with him. Yeah. So for those of you who remember me referencing Ryan, that is my sad report on him. He is uh, not by any means dead. There's no, no permanent damage, but it was a horrible experience for him, as you can imagine. Mm -hmm. of uh you know being taken away in an ambulance and he sent me some pictures of his bike i did a post on my own facebook page ryan if you're listening uh god bless your brother and and uh you know uh heal and let's keep talking and and you know maybe we'll go out and do some more riding um uh, so that the, trucker was not he was supposed to avoid his bike even yeah, that, though the bike was in the driving lane that the that is a great and proper legal question i'm not an attorney but i have heard and ryan believes and he has heard that a cyclist has uh, the right of way you have to uh and, and by the way you see you see everybody listening has seen and i saw 
lots of hundreds of them, official signs in multiple states that say, share the road. And there is a picture of a bicycle. Mm-hmm. Have we all seen that? Share the yeah. road. And that's there for a reason. And I'll bet that if I was a lawyer or a politician, I could go back to those state legislative records and find that there was some point in which they voted officially that cyclists have a right to be on those roads. And here's what you cannot do. Mm -hmm. You can't just force them off the road. No. And say, hey, I'm a trucker. I'm out here working, making my living and just squeeze you off the road over the side of the mountain. They cannot do that. Well, so they that, would get in so much trouble anyways. Insurance, all that stuff, it. they would be in so much trouble. They would lose right. their livelihood. You got it. Now, quick reminder, uh, Facebook Live viewers, if you have a question or comment, uh, write them in the comment section. David will keep an eye out on that. We'll, we'll jump those in there because somebody may have a comment who is an attorney and knows this, but I'm betting pretty much my life that you can't just run a cyclist off a road. Right. You cannot do that. Michelle and, and Reusing says, Gene, I'm glad you had a safe trip. Harold Tucker is watching and his wife, Debbie Bogans, shoots. Excellent. We, I know those guys well. I love those guys. We love so uh, anyway, uh, you, you, ha- you have to share the road. And what we found, and I'll, I'll tell you this, because for people who either ride uh, bikes, bicycles, and I come from motorcycles, that's a different world because there mm-hmm. you're out with the traffic at the same speed as traffic. With a bicycle, you're not, you're off to the side. Mm -hmm. And uh, Dr. Larry Gray and I rode, you know, very politely to the right Mm -hmm. of any lane we were in. We weren't like dicks where we were, I could ride in the middle of this lane. No, we didn't do that. So, but you still have to kind of wait your time to -hmm. make your pass if you're not gonna be rude to us and almost brush our shoulders. Yeah. So, uh, but with this three-wheel recumbent, it's a little hard. So here, by the way, here's what Ryan said, the trucker said, that he rolled up on him and he claims he didn't see him. And then when he finally did, he tried to pass him. Mm-hmm. And imagine this big, long tractor trailer. He tried to pass him, but then another trucker was passing him oh, on his yeah. left because he kind of slowed down. So he stated that he didn't have anywhere to go. And then he clipped Ryan. So who knows? I wasn't oh, there, scary. but I had a few cases, uh, mainly in Montana, but they were so rare that they're hardly worth mentioning where a trucker would blow the horn or express mm-hmm. some like, get the hell off the road. Yeah, Very rare. And clearly when you got into the national parks, everybody, was on vacation yeah. so i was just on yeah. vacation in a different way i want to mention the national parks Th- this is something that i just kind of can't get out of my mind i'm so enthusiastic about it i love national parks i love state parks. i love parks period i just mm-hmm. love the idea of it uh, everybody does obviously yeah but the idea that you can roll up to a place like yellowstone and the Tetons were even more beautiful. I've been to both before, but I'm reminded mm-hmm. how exquisite they are. Mm-hmm. And when you roll up to a national park and this season, this summer, in the summer, and especially during a COVID rebound, yeah. when the outdoors are filled with people who are anxious to get you know, back out into their lives again, 
and there are big signs saying full campgrounds full it is so cool to ride in on a bicycle and you could do the same walking and have rangers smile and wave you in wow. no questions asked nothing like uh are you sure you want to come in here at 4 30 in the evening i mean you there are no campsites available no they just say hey how you doing come on in where are you going we're going to madison campground that's a big campground in yellowstone yeah go on down you know you got 22 mile ride yeah all right see you later we get there and they say rangers and more rangers hey how you guys doing doing fine you you here's there's the hiker biker camp site right over there you, then we go over there and we find it's mostly available not filled uh it's just amazing at at the treatment of uh cyclists and mm -hmm. how uh friendly uh, how different it is if you are in fact a cyclist so uh hats off to all the rangers and that included state parks in a state park in montana we camped in a city park in springfield kentucky multiple city parks it was you know where we slept every night was always part of the fun uh slept in churches slept in firehouses camped yeah. out most of the time and it it was uh, it's just really cool i've had some people say what kind of bike do you have and I ride, again, I'm at my age, 78. I don't think I would have done it on a mechanical bike at this age, but I had no trouble doing it with an electric bike. So what kind of electric bike? Well, it's a pedal assist. There is no throttle. There's no sitting back turning like you're on a moped or something. You have the pedal all 1100 miles, but you Ooh. get help in when you pedal, depending on what level of assist you turn it to, there's higher and lower levels, there are four, then it makes it easier or harder. And the more you ask of the motor, the more battery you'll feed into. So I ride a Trek Alant plus 8S for anybody who cares. That's the specific bike. It carries two batteries. Uh, again, my wife must never learn what that bike costs. <laughs> she cannot find that out. If, if I'm gonna, be among the living she must never know she met my wife must never go into the basement you could have bought not a car. Let her go in. <laughs> yeah i could have could have bought a motorcycle for sure <laughs> but anyway so that's the bike i rode uh, a trek alant plus 8s uh here's something else for people who might think about a long bike ride maybe carrying a lot of gear like we did on an e-bike the question before we left was well where are you going to charge how, you know, how are you going to keep the bikes charged? So I'm here to tell you after riding those 1100 that that was never an issue. And, and we camped out. We were in the outdoors. We were mm -hmm. in remote areas, but even in remote national forest campgrounds, while there will be no electricity or running water, well, there will be running water, but no electricity, yeah. no, you know, flush toilets in the bathrooms there will be a campground host those are volunteers who have their own campers and they stay there for the summer and they you know the eyes and the ears of the park and they got a satellite phone and blah 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 yeah they will have a plug the national forest typically maybe always 
mm-hmm. has a line run back to those national forest campgrounds where there's a plug, probably for emergency reasons and for those all summer long uh, volunteers to be yeah. able to charge a cell phone or something. Mm-hmm. We found those plugs. They said, hell yeah, charge your bikes overnight. We did. We found no plugs in Grand Teton National Park anywhere around the Ranger uh, building, but in the bathrooms, there were electric lights and there was a plug on the wall and we took the batteries off one at a time and took them into the bathroom, plugged them in for hours, unplugged in the middle of the night, one plugged in the other. We found plugs wherever. If you are resourceful and if you're an e-bike rider like me, mm-hmm. uh, you know how to find plugs. And all we need is a 120 plug. It's not like a Tesla. Right. We don't even need 240. We just need 120, a regular, you know, two-prong. I don't even have a three-prong. It's just oh, wow. a two-prong plug. And because that's all we need, and they're very slow charging, they don't cost anybody much if we if they allow us to use them. Yeah. So what's another lesson I learned? It is you can do this at a latter age in life. You can, if you choose to use an e-bike, you can, um, you can do it. Amazing. And I've made a call to the Adventure Cycling Association in Missoula, Montana. We stopped there when we came through Missoula. We were among the riders on the uh, Trans-America Bicycle Trail who stopped in there, got their pictures taken, had their pictures put up on their board. And I debriefed with them yesterday over the phone, told them okay. I was an e-bike rider and told them this story about how easy it is to do e-bikes across the country. Awesome. And they were very interested in that. And that just gives them info that they can, when other people call from around the country and say they were thinking of doing an e-bike ride, they can say, well, I know this one guy that did it and says he had no trouble. Wow. So, um, Although you said your partner was unnerved by the trucks kind of coming by. The oh, initially, truck. yeah, and he, he doesn't hide it. Initially, after three days, he told me he was going home. It stunned me, by the way. I was stunned mm. because, yeah. to be honest, I was a little unnerved by it because I thought, damn, do I want to ride through the West right. solo? Mm-hmm. And uh, I, it kind of rattled me. Mm-hmm. And and it's funny. I had no concerns if I got into what would be the Midwest, a little closer to my right. home turf. Slow so speeds. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I guess so. Or, or it wasn't so hard to do an extraction if I needed it More from familiar. my home. Yeah. So I said to him because he was going to try to rent a U-Haul because he couldn't find any vehicles for rent. It's very hard to find vehicles. Mm-hmm. And I said, uh, "Give me a ride to Missouri." And just drop me off and then I'll ride home from Missouri. Mm-hmm. And uh, then it turned out that, well, so the, he was ready to go. He was, he had yeah. trucks lined, he had a truck lined up. Oh. And then, and then I said, uh, hey, let's ride south and get a little farther into Montana. Mm-hmm. And then let's backtrack to Missoula where the truck is arranged. Let's, let's surge down the trail and just, and then we'll backtrack. And he said, yeah, let's do it. Because I said, it's about 70 miles coming up if we're on a bike trail. And we did that. And then when he got farther down the road, he adjusted to both the heat mm-hmm. and the road riding. Yeah. It's freaking him out. Road riding, I've done so much of it, it doesn't. I'm yeah. more used to it. 
and and you were saying that you kind of get desensitized to the amount of noise that's yeah. as you're traveling because that's an 18 wheeler that's a lot of noise and you feel the noise the wind uh, the force of the wind as you're they're going by you absolutely do and and you really learn to use you got a mirror on the left side of your bike there's not one on the right because you don't need it but every vehicle behind me every time i took a peek to see if it was a dickhead or a normal uh trucker right because you got your little rear view mirror yeah and i could see if they were swaying off to give me space and i just relax if they were cutting it close and occasionally they did then right i brace for it and you got to brace for the wind the, the blast of the wind on these 18 wheelers but you Ooh. do you, you desensitize to it and it's just not a big deal really becomes not right. a big deal on road riding and, and, um, and larry's a tough guy i mean he's been to alaska and bear country with you he's he's very 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 experienced outdoors that wasn't the issue it was this new mode of travel but to his credit he adjusted to all of that and uh, figured all that out and did every uh mile that i did and did a few extra because he forgot something once and he had to double back and get it so, <laughs> so he he did fine and by the way we i wanted to get on this trans america bike trail because having hiked the camino trail in spain and a lot of sections of the appalachian trail there there is i know on these trails a community that's out there and just think about this and again some people may get into this like me and others may not Mm -hmm. But it's kind of fun to talk to these people. Everybody's got a story. And, and so we would talk in the middle of, of a desolate two-lane road in Montana or Wyoming or Kentucky and stop right on the road off to the sides mm -hmm. and talk across the two-lane road to people going the other direction right. and have long conversations with them. You know, where, where are you going? Where'd you start? Where are you going to finish? Where are you from? everybody's mm -hmm. got a blog or facebook presence right. or a podcast and everybody's yeah. joking swapping stories and it is uh for a person like me it's wonderful it's just plain fun yeah and we met a lot of people that way and we met a lot of people in these churches and firehouses and campgrounds and so it did, you know, when I look back, so what did I learn? Well, I learned you can do it at this age. I learned you can do it on an e-bike. I learned how much fun it is every night. To get your den is your tent and your sleeping bag or quilt. I happen to use a down quilt. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, how, how would we deal with the weather? And, that, and, right. and also on that checklist was the people we met. And man, it just yeah, never, and fun. we every day, would run into people either going the same direction we were or, or heading the other direction. That's great. So um, I don't know, in summary, and then politically, let me just touch on one other mm -hmm. thing. So we were in um, very red states, uh, Montana and Wyoming, and yet we met liberal Democrats in both of those places because not everybody's any one thing. Mm -hmm. So a state can be, you know, Montana can be uh, a state that will go for Trump clearly. Yeah. But at the same time, it has a Democrat senator mm -hmm. and 
voters, if you talk to any uh, bike riders as we did who came from cities, whether it's Butte, Montana or Great Falls or Missoula, they're all Democrats. It's the rural ranchers yeah. and more rural, uh, you know, pretty much white folks out there that are mm. more Republican. Yeah. So uh, we had great political conversations. We were with people who brought us dinner one night in this firehouse in Kentucky. And I'm pretty sure our, my guess would be they were Republicans. I didn't ask them their politics. Mm -hmm. But again, it's like with Ryan, in, in a way, none of that matters because what you're jabbering about is the adventure and right. the values of the small town that we were curious about. And the, so there wasn't uh, much talk about vaccinations and pro anti. I no no conversations. No, I didn't ask anybody questions. I, I made assumptions that I was in hmm. areas which were not heavily vaccinated, but those are just assumptions. I really don't know. Yeah. Uh, I didn't worry much about it. I mean, I'm following the science, including today. What is this? Twenty seventh, I guess of July, July and. Yeah. CDC just came out and said, uh, if you got, uh, if you're vaccinated, you're still in good shape and mm. you should wear a mask in hot spots and crowded indoor situations. So you don't spread because you can still be right. carrying the virus. Right. Uh, so I didn't, I might've thrown a mask on a few grocery stores uh, mm. that were kind of crowded for the most part. I didn't worry much about it. And yeah. Don't, don't think, don't think much about that. Everything was fine on that score. Um, so anyway, it, it was, it, it was really a fun trip and, um, hopefully these sessions we've done for at least those of you who like this outdoor stuff, um, I hope I could articulate decently kind of, uh, what it was like and, and I'd like to encourage others to, uh, to do, uh, maybe I end on this. I really do think this, you know, I joke around a lot with Jerry Springer uh, about, and I always said to him, do something extraordinary. And I yeah. always have to say outside because Jerry has done extraordinary things, way more right. than I have. Yeah. But I always, you know, and I'll get these people who do these wild adventures, uh, row across the ocean in a rowboat or this or that. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but I got to tell you, it is fun. And it is, I think, helpful, useful. I don't know if it's helpful. Mm -hmm. It has some usefulness for at least some of us that some people do these kinds of things. I didn't do much. You know, if you ride all the way across country, you're riding three, 4,000 miles. I did 1,100 of it. But to do this stuff, it helps you know what you can do yeah. and what Maybe if, you, if that person can do it, maybe I can do it. Whether it's hike a trail, ride a bike, sleep outside. I do it just because it's fun. Mm -hmm. I look forward to it. I, I'm doing it and I'm thinking, man, this is fun. Mm -hmm. And my ass was whooped every day. <laughs> it was whooped. And, and people who would say, well, riding an e-bike is cheating. No, nah, nah, come on out. get an, I'll, I'll, I'll get one for you. I'll borrow uh -huh. one. You right. come do this for a day. Yeah. At the end of the day, you're busted. 50, 60 miles. 50, 70 miles. And, and it was, man, you know, you're just tired from just cranking these hills, even with some uh, help from the motor, which I happily yeah. used. I couldn't have climbed because the bike is very heavy and you load it right. up, it's even heavier. Right. But uh, 
it's fun. Even when you're, you know, feel like you're dying from it. Uh, and by the way, I've got this chair. It's called, I think of the company that makes it. The, the model is called Chair Zero. You can look it up on the internet. Okay. Just look up Chair Zero. And it's a, like a backpacker's chair and it has like a tent has a folding uh, poles. So this chair has these folding poles that create the skeleton of the chair. And then it has a lightweight uh, ripstop nylon sleeve that makes the chair. Mm-hmm. And it's very strong and it weighs one pound. So it's not heavy. Ooh, yeah. And that, that's, that's a doable amount to carry it, one pound. Mm-hmm. And, uh, couple times a day we would do what we called a chair stop so that's like full stop stop the bike get in the shade set up yeah. he larry's got one too set up chairs get the drinks mm-hmm. get some snacks maybe it's lunchtime is one of those and really just kick back now i'm telling you that chair zero rei has one too called the hyper light or something mm-hmm. and it weighs a pound but that really <laughs> enables you to uh, re- rejuvenate. Wow. If you stop for a half hour to an hour and just really get comfortable on mm-hmm. the side of a road or a trail, it has a remarkable impact on your tired ass uh, body. Huh. And so I would, you know, that's just something I learned a while back. And I use that on every one of my rides. I carry that on a rack on the front of the bike. I can set it up in 10, 15, 20 seconds and really relax. So it's got some ergonomic design that makes you. Oh uh, yeah. 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 It's unbelievable. So those are some things that I learned. Love doing this, love sharing them for the people who do have an interest. Others obviously won't even listen. But those <laughs> who do, I'm happy to share it with others. And, um, uh, we're back uh, full bore next Tuesday night. Jerry will be back and uh, we'll you know, be doing our usual stuff. I'm looking forward. Uh, there's so much for Jerry to talk about politically because that yeah. is really the nature of this podcast. I'm anxious to hear him talk about this January 6th oh insurrection uh, set of hearings that are happening in Congress. And uh, there, there's a lot going on. Uh, the you know Delta variant, its impact on the country and the Pack that'll have on schools and the econo- on economics. There's a lot popping. There always is. So uh, tune in next time. And uh, David, if uh, somebody doesn't have a question that they want asked from the comments section, yeah. all right, we're good to go. So we're going to take this out down by the riverside by the Jerry Springer Trio. Woo-hoo. Peace, everybody. See ya. See ya. Bye. Bye, everybody. I'm going to lay down my sword and shield.